why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. In the Gospel according to St. Luke, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. The Lord Jesus has risen from the dead. It really happened. Today on this most joyous and festive day of the Christian year, we celebrate the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, his defeat of death, his triumph over sin and evil, and his making all things new by the power of his life-giving spirit. There is a certain temptation, I myself have been prone to it, to try to say more on this day than needs to be said, to speculate about matters of God's mystery, to answer the questions of skeptics with proofs, etc., etc. In truth, on this day, the preacher needs only proclaim a simple, though profound, truth. Christ is risen. What we need to hear this day after weeks of Lenten fasting and penance, amidst the many pains and uncertainties and disappointments and sufferings of this world, is simply the good news, the gospel of Jesus. He has risen. This is, after all, the message delivered to those first women at the scene of the resurrection. It is the message they delivered to the eleven, and to Jesus' other disciples. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, remember his words, remember his promises. He kept them all. Jesus lives. Our reading from the Gospel of St. Luke this morning focuses on the experience of those women, so intimate with and devoted to Jesus, who visited his tomb in the early hours of Sunday morning. They had spent two days mourning the death of their beloved, two days in total disorientation and utter loss, two days living in hell. They go to the place where they had buried their Lord to grieve, to take the spices they had prepared, to give honor to the one that they had loved. And when they arrive, they're shocked. The stone before the opening of the tomb has been rolled back. Who did this? They must have wondered. Why would someone have removed his body? Where could they have taken it? And why would anyone have an interest in stealing off with this man's corpse? Why this cruelty, this reopening of a wound? We've already suffered so much. We watched them torture and kill him, and now we cannot even be with his body. What happens next is, I think, one of the most remarkable moments in the Gospel of Luke. The women, they go into the tomb. They go in to look for Jesus' body. This must have been such a horrifying experience. 
to go into that place of death and darkness, a place where Christ's lifeless body had laid, had been buried. For me, the most terrifying event in Christ's passion is actually not his crucifixion, as unbearable as that is to see. For me, it's his burial. It's Holy Saturday. That is, the only thing, as far as I can see, that's more horrifying than the Son of God's crucifixion is that he would be buried. Because there's at least something strangely beautiful about the cross, the crushed body of a man who loved unto death. That's why we have the crucifix. But really, there's nothing glorious about the tomb. The tomb is where bodies get locked away and lost to history. The tomb is where crucified bodies go to decompose and decay and be forgotten. The tomb is where the sin of the world just laid upon Christ's shoulders on the cross now laughs and mocks him, dead and helpless, lifeless, locked up in a cave, and along with him, all the disappointments and sorrows and failed hopes of humankind groaning for salvation. The tomb is the place of finality. It's the ascription, the end, period. This life is terminated. It's finished. That's the tomb. When Christ is buried, so also are the hopes of his disciples, of us, of the whole world. His body is locked away, and with it our every hope and desire and longing for redemption. The terror of Holy Saturday is that there is no longer any hope. It's been killed, at least for a moment. But then, in their perplexity and grief and despair, as they stand in that darkness of the tomb, suddenly two angels appear to the women, and they speak just the most astounding words. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Why do you look for the living among the dead? In fact, it's a rebuke. It's not the most sensitive way to greet a group of grieving women, I must say. But the angels are not really interested in allowing the women to continue to grieve. Their goal is to proclaim a new reality. He is not here. He's risen. Why do you seek the living among the dead? When you seek comfort or healing or assurance or acceptance or fulfillment or salvation, why is it that you keep going into tombs? Why do you turn to places of darkness if what you seek is light? Why do you seek salvation in places of death if what you seek is life? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not there. He's risen. 
The women, when they cannot find the body of Jesus, Luke says, were perplexed. And so the angels wished to move the women from perplexity, from confusion, to understanding, to belief. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and crucified, and on the third day rise again. And then it clicks. They remembered his words, Luke tells us. All of those predictions of his impending suffering and death, all those cryptic sayings that made no sense at the moment, those sayings which they could not understand or maybe which they willfully ignored, they began to fall into place in the women's memory. And as they do, what begins to form, what merges into coherence is a story, the story of God's redemption, the story of the creator whose creatures turn from him in sin and become subject to evil and death, who called into covenant a chosen people, Israel, from whom he would bring forth a Messiah, a mighty savior, a Christ, gave up his life in love, but who was raised from the chains of death by the God of resurrection. All of the pieces are now set in place, and the drama of God's salvation has reached its climactic point. And then the women respond. They believe. And they emerge from that tomb, from the place of death, and go forth into the world to proclaim the good news, the story of God's salvation. But the world they enter into, as they cross the threshold from the tomb into the light, has been radically transfigured. They can see it now. The resurrection has changed everything. Everything they see now begins and ends in him. This creation is being made new right before their eyes. It began with him in his own body. They're witnesses to it. Indeed, these women are the first evangelists. They go to Jesus' disciples to declare to them what they have seen and heard. While the women responded to the announcement of the resurrection in faith, the disciples are incredulous. These words seem to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them, Luke says. Here we go again with the old wives' tales, they think. And you can imagine the, the mansplaining that is to follow. You're not thinking clearly. Your emotions have got the best of you. The thing you have to understand is it's very common after traumatic losses like what you've just experienced to have these kinds of hallucinations and illusions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The women, the first evangelists, the first witnesses to the resurrection, are dismissed by the very disciples of Jesus. They do not believe. But Peter, at least Peter's curious, he takes off for the tomb. Sure, he's, he's a bit skeptical about the women, but at least curious enough to go find out what exactly they did see. 
he gets to the edge of the tomb and he peers in. He doesn't quite go into the tomb like the women, but he, de- he does see something from the entrance, the linen cloths. Luke tells us Peter left, he went home marveling or amazed at what had happened, what he had seen. Peter's amazed, but Luke does not tell us yet that he understood or believed, at least not yet. He will. You heard the sermon from the book of Acts. But right now, he's, he's amazed. He is where the women first were, perplexed, astounded, amazed. But will he move from amazement to belief? Our reading from Luke's gospel this morning ends there. And I think it's quite fitting for Easter Sunday, actually. Peter, unsatisfied with simply hearing the witness of these women evangelists, he wants to see for himself. He wants the proof, wants evidence of their claims. The linen cloths, the empty tomb, it's as far as he can get. He's left with this choice. Will he believe? Jesus appears later to his disciples in his resurrected flesh. And that's essential to the veracity and truthfulness of the church's gospel, no doubt. It's confirmation of the apostolic witness. But the message of Easter, the gospel to us this morning, is simply that. It's an announcement. It's a message that we hear. And so our reading from the Gospel of Luke leaves us, like Peter, to respond. Will we believe what has been declared, what we've heard? Of course, Jesus said to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Here's the great mystery of Easter. The real body of Christ is resurrected in history. It really happened. But it must be believed by faith. And it's no less real because it is believed. In a few moments, we will join with the parents and godparents of a child to confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. And one of the claims that we will profess together is this, I believe he rose again from the dead. A few weeks ago, I was looking at a children's book that recently came out called The Apostles' Creed for All God's Children. The book was actually written by a a well-known theologian, but what's remarkable about the book is how it captures the power of the basic beliefs and confessions that we declare each week, each day, together in faith. So I was particularly struck by the section on this confession. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. I'm going to close by reading it for you, because I think it captures in the simple language of children, and so in such clear and direct power, the Easter gospel of Christ's resurrection, which we believe. 
Why do I believe? I believe because of something that really happened. One day, in a garden long ago, a stone was rolled away. The grave was empty. The burial clothes were left behind. He is not here. He has risen. Because he has risen, the world is made new. Because he has risen, every single life begins and ends in him. This was a long time ago, but it really happened. He defeated death. God's strong son, my strong brother, the world's true Lord, and my Lord too. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. That's why I believe. The Lord is risen in, indeed. It really happened. And this we believe. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.